Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Ken. And I am Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we search long and hard. No, let's not not put that in, guys. (laughs) On the Thought Leader Podcast, we search everywhere we can think (laughs) of to find guests who we can interview that have a different slant on life or who have a different way of thinking. And today is just one of the more exceptional guests who has horses. Who'd have thought? Yeah, what I think is interesting, a very good friend of mine used to farm, uh, have an organic farm where he would have a team of horses. So I didn't get to know horses very well, but I I got to know some of the challenges of of living with horses. So it's very neat to um, talk with Lisa Ari about the business she's built quite literally from within a a herd of horses. So let's let Lisa tell you all about it, and here's our interview. Hi, Lisa. It's always fun to get together and uh, play around with technology until it works. Yes, it does. Can you hear us? (laughs) Maybe it's not working. (laughs) Yes, I can hear you. Nice, nice. technology failing again? No, no, no. I think we're good. So, but it's really fun to chat. And I think as always, um, your energy is palpable and your humility and sort of friendliness and, and everything else. But more than that, sort of deep underneath that is the amazing things you've accomplished and done over the past uh, several years. And I'd love to kind of, you know, ask on behalf of the listeners, what is it that you've done? Mm. Well, I guess we'll just keep it to uh, Vista Caballo, building Vista Caballo. That's been my my main focus. So, yes, in the last several years, I have continued to develop myself. But we did create Vista Caballo starting in 2005, which has turned into this beautiful sanctuary and center that we use as sort of our think tank for human and leadership development. That's been our primary focus in that is learning how to live with a herd of horses and meet all of their needs. And of course, that helps us address uh, our own level of consciousness as we do so. Taking care of the land, learning what that needs, you know, those needs are all about. So there's, there's a lot in that. So Lisa, our listeners can't see you, but I can. And you're in this really cool, it looks like a wood cabin. There's a, a bookcase behind you with lots of books on it. But a wooden cabin sounds pretty cool. Do you have a story behind that? Yes, this is one of the original structures that was on the land when we first got here. There wasn't much. There was this structure, which we think was an old tack shed, and then uh, a, a hay barn and a, and a little sheep barn, and the original county road bridge. And that was pretty much what was here, plus a lot of old cars and stoves and things thrown into the Oreos that we removed. So on the weekends, my husband actually took this little shed and turned it into this beautiful little cabin that I get to work in every day. And I love it because it makes me feel like I'm working inside of a tree. So all the wood that you see here, and you can actually see there's like part of a branch from a 
from a tree. Everything in here is reclaimed. So that's that's this, and those are actually books that I've read. It's not like a I made it for Zoom or anything like that. It's, it was here before Zoom. <laughs> so yeah, it was interesting. Interesting you say that. When I was living in England, they used to go people, the cool folk used to go down to old bookstores and buy books by the yard. So they'd buy a yard of old oh. books just to put them in their bookcase so it looked like they were very well educated. Oh. It was very funny. Oh. You also mentioned earlier, Lisa, about horses. Talk to me about horses. Oh, gosh, you're going to have to narrow that down. What would you like to know? Well, why do you have horses? Because I'm sure there's more to it than just having a herd of horses. Mm. Yes, why why I have horses is because I always, you know, loved horses, right? But they were, I know that there are some people that are have, you know, been with horses since they were two. Uh, that was not my case, but I always liked them. I thought they were beautiful. I got a few experiences with them as I was growing up. But uh, a couple of decades ago, I sort of fell into them hiney backwards and I was really searching at the time. I was searching at the time for how to live life, not how to, you know, get through, not, not how to achieve life, but how to live life. And horses were the ones that taught me how to do that. And I, like I said, I sort of fell into it hiney backwards. I met one very, very special horse, and she led me on an incredible journey into a whole series of other horses and that's where I learned what life was really all about and now I have the great good fortune of living in the middle of a herd of them. So Lisa what's for me so kind of striking about that is I'll go to the level of saying you're actually inside a room that's made of a living living beings and surrounded by books which are also made of living things and we're finding out so much about trees communicating with one another, which is remarkable. And with our really expanding understanding of RNA and that relationship with people in our lives, so our spouses will sort of share almost D DNA, uh, you know, messenger stuff with each other and, and animals and humans do the same. And so we learn from one another and we, we change and shape one another. And, and horses and dogs and humans and cats, we're all old friends. So how would you describe that relationship? Mm, a beautiful context that is. Thank you. I would describe it is, you know, it depends on what we want to allow, right? Horses have been on this planet for 55 million years. We've been on this planet for two they might have a little bit more information or different information than we have. And the way that we process information is our, our brains focus on processing data. Their brains focus on interpreting the environment. So if you put those two together, <laughs> you've got a pretty significant power relationship, I think. So again, the way that, that I think about it is when I... I didn't really know anything about horses, really. I, you know, I sort of looked at them as these things that you ride, right? I mean, animals. But when I first started actually connecting with horses and realized that they were sentient beings and they could teach me about my best self, 
they could reflect to me the parts of myself that were hurting, the parts of myself that were hiding, and had no judgment about it. It allowed all of that to sort of fall by the wayside, and and there was sort of my best self that uh, they were also not very judgmental about. They were happy to have me however it is that I wanted to show up as long as that was authentic. So that's the relationship that I have with them is continues, no different than my most cherished human relationships is uh, I get out of it what I put into it, which is why I like to live with them so that I can be with them and learn who they are and and learn who I am and, and nurture that relationship. So what what would you say was kind of broken in you that the horses were able to in some way fix? I'd say for me it was more of a disconnection than a brokenness or you know or the connection was broken. The connection to myself was broken. I made a choice when I was very young. I couldn't quite understand how to make sense of the the world that I was living in and operate in the way that felt best to me. So I disconnected from from that first operating system of my truth. And I learned how to survive in helping others be comfortable with me versus just being myself and letting them sort it out on their own if they were comfortable with me or not. So what horses <laughs> showed me was sort of the danger of that. Uh, if I'm not fully present, I'm actually in danger. And because they have no judgment as we do, uh, and I don't mean discernment, I mean they, they are fully accepting as long as you are real. And so to be accepted for who I was as my real self that is how they helped me reconnect to that. And it felt so good. <laughs> it felt so amazing that I never, ever, ever wanted to go back to that other way of being. And so I haven't. So that's really what they taught me. So the world is full of, so and you work with CEOs and, and corporations and all kinds of fancy folks, which is, which is amazing. We're all fancy in our own ways. But the, the beauty of kind of what you're saying is, how many layers of of fake or real or or contrived or or fake it till you make it or stand with conviction or how many of those layers do you know we build around ourselves and yet when you you sit with a horse it's a remarkable experience a any animal also my dog when i sit with my dog it's a different relationship that's kind of at the core of what you do how would you describe what you do with folks yeah i would say that is at the core of of the opportunity that we offer. So I liken it to being in a living simulator where you have the opportunity to put aside all the contrivances that we create, sometimes for very good reasons, of course, sometimes very appropriately so to keep ourselves safe with each other. But we have the opportunity when we're with, in this case, horses, and I agree with you, Ken, about all animals. I think it happens with whales and elephants and lots of other creatures. Someone asked me one time if he thought it worked with a gerbil. <laughs> I haven't experimented with that yet, but I would imagine so. So 
I think the opportunity is just to get that sense of yourself back to, you know, without all those filters and layers and stories and see how you like it, right? You know, how, how does it feel? And if it feels good, you take it home. You leave the other stuff behind. So it's a very, very simple but very potent experience of yourself. And, you know, in, in corporate, we've got lots of different tools and mechanisms. We've got 360s and stuff. But I think there's nothing quite like having all of your devices and and support systems sort of taken away. And it's just you, just you, because that's really all who's there anyway, isn't there, right? So, Lisa, in 2021, we have literally hundreds of different types of folk who are teaching people how to find themselves, how to be authentic, how to be the real person, how, how, do you, how to feel the onion, how to find the core of the person. And some use witchcraft or crystals or all sorts of different techniques. Um, and it's all very woo-woo in, in my mind. I'm not knocking it. It's just not something that I understand. So how would you describe this to a CEO of a public company? How would you describe this to Elon Musk as something that he should consider to find his real self? I mean, how do you do that? Well, I guess if I was talking with Mr. Musk, the first question I would ask is, do you want to discover more of yourself? And if the answer was yes, and he wanted to, to, to hear about this, this opportunity, then I would probably just explain sort of, as I mentioned before, that we're all creatures living on this planet. And it's, it's really how we interact with each other that makes our own unique experience of life, right? And I, it's funny now as I'm thinking about it because I think Mr. Musk might understand this better than many of us. I actually use the analogy of like these brilliant human designs, these bodies are sort of like spaceships that we've been given, but we haven't really been given the instruction manual. <laughs> Of how it really works. And what I love about working with the horses is your level of awareness sort of, it increases to such a level where you can actually consider being a different way, which is your true human beingness. And so there's a lot of neurobiology references that I will make to help people understand how it is that they're feeling. So rather than sort of an outside-in experience, it really is an inside-out experience, but from the point of view of understanding that, for example, we've got, most people think we have one brain in our skull, and we do, but we also have another brain in our chest called our heart, and that is proven. Then we have another, you know, brain, quote unquote, in our stomach. And that's created at the same time in fetal development as the brain in our head. So we've got all these different intelligence systems going on. And what I love about working with these horses is that you, you get the opportunity to actually have the sense of what it's like when 
all of those intelligence systems activate at the same time. You are literally like super powered. And so I, I think for me, that's what the difference is. It's in real time. It happens in real time. And because you're interacting with your neurobiology, it locks in. So when you leave, there's really not anything to remember. You just are using all parts of yourself now. And you, of course, you can develop those further if you, if you like what you feel. So do you have um, intuitives in your family, folks who aren't necessarily, you know, soothsayers or anything, but folks who can kind of read other people? Do, did you grow up around people who have that sort of, you know, deep empathy and sort of intuitiveness? Hmm, what an interesting question. I'd probably say yes. I'd probably say that my whole family has it, whether it was ever, you know, recognized, really talked about, no. Yeah, I'd say that it was always there, but but also because of the way that I grew up in all the countries I grew up in and all the different cultures I grew up in, there was a lot of that intuitiveness. You know, when you when you get to interact with indigenous peoples, I think that there's, you know, that's a that's a big part of their beingness. So I I think I definitely had an experience there and there were always animals, you know, always. Interesting. So what I love about that is the understanding humans can happen through animals. And I, I'm one of the ho horrible examples of that is, uh, I forget there was, there was a, a movie that came out where it showed graphically animals being killed in Vietnam and crossfire. And apparently that was much more, uh, moving and difficult to watch for people than uh, the movies that show humans being killed. And there's there's some kind of connection that we have with animals that allows us to understand humanness. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You know, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's probably the same as seeing, well, I think seeing anyone killed, honestly, but, you know, children. You know, I think there's something about the innocence, right? Mm -hmm. The innocence. So the, if we start there, the ancientness and the innocence of the horse, uh, and particularly a herd of horses, animals who stick together and, and hang out with one another, you know, what do we have to learn from that in the next hundred years? Uh, and what's your big picture for where you're taking things? Oh gosh, I hope it doesn't take a hundred years. <laughs> uh... What's our biggest take from it? Well, again, you know, if you want to get factual about it, it's like 55 million years on this planet, especially with, you know, encroaching civilization and stuff. I mean, I, I definitely think that there's something to pay attention to there. I think horses in the wild are having a, a much tougher time, especially right now. So there's a lot of them that are being rounded up. So we'll see. But I think left to their own devices, they would... They would be here. And I'd say, you know, to be able, when we study them and when we live with them and when we, when we open our minds and our hearts to them and what they can show us and teach us, it is about that oneness. It is that understanding that as a herd, we're safer, right? And when you see horses standing over each other when they lay down and sleep, or if a horse is injured, if you see the herd surrounding them, you know, it, it just, it, it opens up our heart to uh, what's really important, 
which is each other. You know, it's, you, you don't see horses. They're not the type of species that they're even, even in the, in the lead horse, um, the lead horse, you know, is not something that's actually even sought after, <laughs> you know? So, and what I also really appreciate about horses and leadership is just because you were the lead mare yesterday doesn't mean you get to be the lead mare today. You know, imagine if our companies ran that way, you know? So I think what, you know, what can we learn and, and where can we use this to accelerate our own consciousness is really by giving ourselves that experience of getting out of our heads and really leading ourselves from a different place. I was just in a, what used to be wild Mustangs, they're now in a sanctuary, but they're still, they're not domesticated. And the difference between when you're in your head and if they'll come near you and when you're in your heart and then they do come near you is it's right there. You know, it's, it's right there. And I think that's where if we could get there as humanity, you know, to really to lead from our hearts and to connect to and through our hearts is where we have to go. I mean, we've tried to do it the other way and we're not doing so well. So that's, that's my focus. And, and we'll keep opening up these opportunities so people can, what, again, what, what we created here was a way for people to experience that and then let their own brains decide if it's safe or not to do that. You know, the brain works with two main filters, safe or not safe. So if you can experience it and then it feels good to you, then you can take that home and say, well, you know, now, now let me try that with a human being and see if it works. That is a really great thought, and I think it would be a great place for us to, to kind of stop um, experience it with another human. It is a very interesting concept, and I, I love that. Lisa, we try to keep these relatively short. Uh, how can people find you? How can they contact you? And most importantly, what type of people would you love to work with? Oh, my gosh. What another great question. People can find me um, through our website, which is vistacaballo.com. And that's caballo is in Spanish for horse, C-A-B-A-L-L-O.com, vistacaballo.com. Or they can email me, lisa at vistacaballo.com. I'd love to hear from you. And what kind of people? All people who want to love themselves and love each other and love our planet. So. People who want to have really love-filled lives and bring that impact into the communities around them and onto our planet. We work with a lot of leaders because we follow the principle of nature, which is when you change the head of the organism, the organism changes. So we want to have great positive impact on this planet. So that's why we work with a lot of leaders because when they have an epiphany, when they are able to step out of their fear and lead from that place of love, their impact, their influence, I mean, that's, that's how we start having really great impact and turn things around on the planet. So that's why we do it. But I, I want to I hear from anyone that that's, this resonates with. Love that. And um, I, the concept of the binary fear, no fear, 
you know, is that something that governs us? Um, really powerful. So thank you for chatting with us, Lisa. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Anytime, Ken. I'm uh, happy to chat with you anytime. Thank you both very much. Well, thank you, Lisa. I really, I really love the the thinking that the, the human brain is basically binary. It's either safe or not safe. And if we think that way, how we can get through life in a very different frame of mind with a very different way of looking at things. I also love just the idea of being around animals helps us to learn from them because oftentimes we think we're we're so smart with our you know super cerebral brains that that we are the smartest but we aren't in all things and in community and in hangout ability you know animals got us beat you know well I was surprised uh, Dr. Kent too I, I didn't I didn't think about it. I didn't realize that horses have been around for 55 million years. If there is such a thing as passed down knowledge, can you imagine how much knowledge has been passed down? True. Only the cockroaches and birds know more, right? Crazy. If you're a cockroach or a bird, or you fancy yourself to be one, come check out our website at thoughtpartnergroup.com. If you're a cockroach, you'll really enjoy the self-assessment at the top of the page because you're going to be around well past, uh, you know, anything that happens on Earth. So it could be really helpful to think about your reputation and and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, we'll take a minute or two and look at that and uh, send you back a response. And you, if you are a cockroach, we'll get back to you before you are not able to read it. So, yeah, or or before before humans die out as a species. Yeah. So. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> also, if you like the content of our podcast, and this is just one of three podcasts we're sending out, subscribe. Subscribe to all three. We'll give you a three-to-one three to one bargain today. Three for the price of one. Three. <laughs> three. And, and, and all of them are free, so go, go subscribe to us on your favorite. So it's, it's free for the price of one. <laughs> free. <laughs> free. <laughs> that's it. See you later.